Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'd like you to turn to the book of Psalm, chapter 78. Psalm 78. I'm going to be reading from the ES, I'm sorry, not the ESV, the uh, NLT this morning. Psalm 78, starting at verse 5, reads like this. It says, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them. Come on now, let's say the next generation might know them. Amen. The children yet unborn. My goodness, how can they learn anything? And arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. That's an image for today of the time before we served God, before we, were, uh, we found the Lord, before he called us with his spirit. We were that rebellious generation. We were that stubborn group. And he is talking, uh, the psalmist is extolling the virtues of sharing these commandments and carrying on to the next generation the commandments in the word of God. You can be seated this morning. Now, in the Old Testament and Psalms and things like that, when we read, and I'm going to be referencing things, some things that way uh, today in the Old Testament, there is a definite and specific reason the Old Te- Testament models certain things, and we've got to be able to translate that into today. It's very simple. It's not trickery of the word. It just simply is because, of course, uh, uh, there is no Jacob. There certainly is Israel, correct? Uh, But when it talks about the law, it's talking about the word of God, the commandments of God. Those things certainly uh, uh, come forward from the Old Testament. The law is not gone. It didn't disappear. Jesus didn't eliminate the law. He fulfilled it, and he even added some to it. He took it to a new place. And so we always have to remember that things of the Old Testament are not null and void uh, because they are from the Old Testament. These principles are rock solid and eternal moving forward, okay? Uh, So it's talking about passing on uh, to our generations coming up and to our children that they should, they know them. Now it's been said in in, uh, society today and especially in church society that each generation succeeding loses just a little bit of something. Have you heard that before? Every generation after Something falls off, it's a little bit less. We get a little bit more lenient, we get a little bit more lax. Something, something loses its, its power uh, or, or we, we just chip away over time. Why is that, I wonder? What do the studies say, I wonder, why from generation to generation we shave off a few things? You know, when I came into the church in the early 1980s, as I mentioned earlier, um, there were some things that were very prominent in the church at that time, some things that we stood up for that would seem today kind of odd, kind of strange. For example, I knew people that would not, re- would, would not receive a newspaper in their home because of all the negativity and the, and the bad things that come in from, from worldly issues and, and the negativity that's there. They wouldn't own a radio in their home because there was just so much, again, there was, there was this, uh, this guide, this guideline, this ancient landmark that they would set uh, for things like that. And some uh, wouldn't play cards. You know, it's a common thing for us Christian folks to get together and we love to play cards. We play 13 and, and uh, get together in groups and have a great time. Some folks would not 
touch a deck of cards because there is symbolism and there is imagery that exists on those cards that have a very negative connotation in the faith world. And we, we kind of just, we don't worry about that stuff anymore. How about Christmas trees? It's a strong thing. Some of you may still hold that standard. Some of you may feel convicted about that. But at one point, it was something that was very, very uh, hotly contested. Now, those things are, you might say, well, those things, those are ineffective. That's not a really big deal. We haven't lost anything because we're willing to sit down and play cards. I'm just giving you an example from generation to generation. In Psalm 127, uh, verses 3 and 5, many of you know it very well. It says, Behold, the children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Okay, so it's a good thing. And I, I joke with this with my kids every once in a while. Once in a while, you want to you pull one out and go, let him fly. <laughs> but it's clearly a blessing from God that we fill our quivers, men, that we have our families and, and that we raise up children in the way that God expects us to and build in that next generation the commandments of the Lord. Now, I believe, my belief is, is that for the most part, the things that are critically important, the things that are important principles of God, we build those things in our children as best we possibly can. I don't see, in my personal view, I don't see a big slack step back. Now, I don't know everybody's personal circumstances and I don't know what obviously happens in everyone's home but from what I see, I see some pretty strong steps in that direction. Are we perfect? No. Are we, are we striving towards it? Hope so. But it's very clear to me that God has put something upon us that we must continue to pass on this heritage. If you look at the world around us right now, the United States of America is losing its identity. Why? How? How did this happen? Because over time, things have just sort of slipped in. They've crept in. And I'm not going to get into the political views of how all that happened. You know what I'm talking about. But this nation, right this moment, is losing its identity. And it's going to continue to do so. It's simply a matter of scripture and revelation and the word and so forth. We know what God says about the end times. 2 Timothy, 1 Thessalonians, etc., etc. We don't have to do an end time study at this moment. But what I'm saying to you is that while the world around us is letting go of its principles... We're backing off of things that, are, that, that just a few years ago would be unheard of. We're destroying the image and the, excuse me, the identity of this nation and what it stood for, for lots of different reasons. But nonetheless, it's happening before our eyes, isn't it? In other words, the job that we have to do is to make sure that doesn't happen in the church. We have got to make sure that whatever wants to try to creep its way into the church, whatever little philosophies, whatever little ideas that the world is purveying and coming and putting upon us, dads, that we should allow to creep into our families and allow to creep into our churches, that we put a standard in place that says, no, we will not move anymore. We stand for the word of God and everything that it says. You've heard me say it many times before. Everything that exists between these two black covers applies to today and will be preached from this pulpit from here until the time they drag me out in shackles. The word in Psalm 78 said, he commanded our fathers to teach their children and the next generation that they might know his principles. The children yet unborn, 
That's incredible. What an incredible word that is. Third John chapter one and four says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. That's a powerful statement. Now it just sounds like that they're coming to church and they're being good Christians and, and all that. But I want you to dive a little bit deeper into that statement, walking in truth. Now last week I came to and I spoke a message about truth and defining truth and what truth is and what a powerful thing it is and what an important aspect uh, of our walk that it is to know and understand what truth is. The word truth in that statement encompasses everything that exists between these two black covers. All of it, every word, every line, precept upon precept, line upon line. It's incumbent upon us as fathers to put a stand in our lives that says we will not back down from ministering this truth. There are things that exist in this scripture that have been there since the beginning of the writings that are now being described in our society as hate speech. They're being told that they're old fashioned, they're out of style, they're offensive to one gender or one person or another, that they're wrong. Dads, we've got to stand up for the principles of these words. We cannot let the world twist and, 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 and cajole and, and, and wrap words around and make things out of what they're not. God's principles are there because they're powerful and they're perfect. And if they're conducted the right way according to his principle with the right heart and the right uh, motives, they're to bless everybody. But the lie that's coming out is that they're hurting people or they're meant to hurt people, they're meant to uh, sub subjugate somebody or whatever the message is. When it comes to our children, coming back in, in, in the role of the father, when it comes to our children, they're the greatest vulnerability of all. From very, very young children, they're beginning to teach and they're beginning to propagate things into society and you don't even realize that they're beginning to creep up onto our families. I remember uh, some time ago, hearing from little kids and even a couple of my children, uh, we were talking about things in the home. The kids would come home and they would talk about things that they learned in school and they would ask me questions about it because they knew the word. We, we taught the word in our home. We studied the word. They understood. They knew the principles of God. And so they would come home and they would hear things that were confusing to them or didn't seem to match right up. And, and we would talk through it and we would share it. And a lot of times they knew. They'd say, that's not right, is it, Dad? They're teaching something that, that isn't right with the word of God. And, and, and no, it's not. And then we'd even joke a little bit and I'd say, well, this is, that's terrible and I don't like that and how they, and I would hear a little phrase come out every once in a while and say, don't hate, dad. Don't hate. Now this was quite a number of years ago and it seems innocent, right? Don't hate. But it caught my attention because I thought, it's a strong word. Where'd it come from? It came from their experience. It came from what they were getting out there. Because then things begin to be classified as hate. Strong word. Disagreement, different opinion, hate. I've said many times from this pulpit, if we don't agree on something that does not make us mortal enemies, that is a counter-cultural statement, you understand, to what's going on in the world right now. And so children are being taught People are being taught and exposed to a concept that says if you disagree with them, if you teach something that's counter to their philosophy or their ideal, this, this, this great virtuous statement that we're making in society that you hate. You're my enemy if you disagree with me. 
And so dads, we're up against a pretty heavy deal that's going on right now because things are slowly being crept into and attempted to be pushed into the minds of our children. When the irony is that the principles of the word of God creating wonderful, caring children, kids that are respectful and honorable. By the way, your children are so respectful, so honorable. I love every single one of them. Every single young person in this church that I've encountered on a regular basis are so respectful, so honorable. They honor the church. They're kind to one another because of what you do, because of what you build into them. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter six. I'm titling the message, Warriors of the Word, today. And I want to give you something that's really powerful in Deuteronomy chapter six. Those of you may not know and understand this, but this book, this, this chapter, Deuteronomy six, is literally like a Magna Carta of the home. It's like a constitution of the Christian family environment. This is your standard. This is, this is your personal Magna Carta for which we can lead our homes. You know, the Constitution of the United States of America used to be that thing for, for law and government and who we are as an identity of a nation. It's under attack. They want to destroy it. People want to destroy the Constitution of the United States. Rights don't mean hardly anything anymore. They're being subjugated and removed and changed on a daily basis right in front of us. And that's not good, and that's something that we're going to have to deal with as we move forward. But I'm telling you, this Constitution right here for your home is an absolute essential step that has to be taken. We've got to rock solid, carve this into our homes and into the way that we operate. Deuteronomy chapter six, starting at verse one. It says, now, these are the commandments. Again, strong word. I used it in Psalm earlier. The commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. Now, I just want to point out again, remember I said earlier, there's some, there's some terminology that translates differently today. When, you, when, the, when the Old Testament talks about land and the land you possess, of course, it was talking about heading to the promised land, the land that God had pr- promised the people of Israel as they crossed the River Jordan. And so you might say, well, we're not, we, don't, we have our land. We're not crossing anywhere. This doesn't match up. Understand that everywhere that you read that, when we talk about that in a scripture, the land you possess, what it's talking about, the word land literally could translate as, as your life. Your daily going about, your home, your property, your children, the things that you do, your job, okay? The land that you possess is, is what you are. It's, it's your personal life. Does that make sense? Probably not describing that very well, and I apologize, but I want you to understand, it doesn't mean just a piece of land. Verse two, and thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and to keep all his statutes, fear, great respect, not fear like uh, some people want to put it out there and say, well, your God tells you you've got to sit and be scared of him and live in fear. No, that's not what that means. It means tremendous respect and honor. Fear the Lord thy God to keep all, everybody say all, all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou, and listen now, and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life. Well, that's not fair, but the court leaves out the girls. No, it doesn't. That's talking about the generations. It's talking about sons and daughters. It's talking about your family. All the generations to come must be taught these commandments and statutes. We've got to stand, folks. We've got to put our feet in some concrete and say we will not be moved. 
I'm telling you, we gotta, dads, we gotta armor ourselves up. We gotta get ready, brace yourselves. Whatever position you gotta take, you gotta brace yourself and say, we will not be moved. Goes on to say, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Again, that's bountiful life. We're in that land, by the way, right now that flows with milk and honey. We have everything we could possibly ever need, more than what we need. We are bountifully blessed by God in this nation. And for those, I understand there's challenges, there's social challenges, there's things that, that, that we've observed and we know that people are struggling with. I'm not taking away anything from that. But even if you compare the worst plight of people that are dealing with certain challenges based on socioeconomic issues and, and other factors, I'm not gonna dive into it, but even if you take that and you look at 78 or 80% of the rest of the world, we all live bountifully with more than we possibly could possess or need to possess. Now, that doesn't take away the pain and the hurt and the sorrow of, of evil uh, people doing evil back and forth to one another. I'm not taking away from that. Please understand. Those things are hurtful, and, and people lose their lives, and there's, there's things that are uh, very awful that are happening. Man's inhumanity to man has never changed, and neither has God's word and his principles. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Did you know that was in this passage, in the Magna Carta of the Christian family home? Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That means he is singular. He is the one God. That means he's not Baal. He's not Ashtaroth. He's not Buddha. He's not anybody else. He is God, the one God, creator of the universe. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. You've all heard that before. Everybody said, well, I know that, Pastor. I do. I love God with all my heart. That's just part of being a Christian, right? Absolutely. But see, this was the ultimate testament, test, testament of faith in Israel. It was foundational. The Magna Carta, the constitution of the Christian family. We must, must adhere and found it as the basis of everything that we do. Verse six, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now listen to verse seven. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. What does diligently mean? Never stop. Never give up. Never decide, well, they're adults now. They know what they're supposed to do. Nope, I'm very proud of my children, very proud of who and what they are and what they become as young people, respectful, honorable, hardworking, uh, great attitudes, respectful, respectful to their, to their uh, the adults and to, to their uh, peers even, and, and always to this day, finding time to come and sit down with dad and ask him questions. Dad, what about this about the Bible? What does it say about that? Hey dad, I'm sharing something with a friend of mine. Can you help me explain this a little bit better? Always diligently teaching, teaching wherever I possibly can, letting them know the, the, the basics and the principles and the foundational aspects of the word. Always diligently teaching. Please fathers, continue to diligently teach the word. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. In verse 7.5 in the Cordell family and when thou drivest up to the hunting land. Every year, right boys? Sammy, every year we have a phenomenal Bible study driving up to our deer hunting land, up to our duck hunting land. We have a great Bible study driving all the way back every year. 
Verse eight, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Where is the enemy gonna put his mark when it comes time, when he has to put his mark to declare whether we can buy or sell? The forehead and the hand, exactly right. The Antichrist has to be an antithesis, the opposite, the equal and opposite or sub-equal and opposite of exactly the principles of God. You have to bind these things in your hand. Before anybody ever wants to put a mark on you that says that you belong to some other man who's going to allow you to buy and sell. If we're still here for that, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that either. But what I'm saying is, is we've got to put the word of God here or here or both now and make sure that it is understood that that is what we stand for. Bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thy eyes. The Pharisees, wearing the phylacteries, the priests, would put those boxes on their heads, and they'd put the word, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, in, and they'd wear it on a, uh, in a box and a leather strap around their head. But see, the Pharisees would take it, and they'd make their boxes really big, and they'd walk, can you imagine this? Big giant shoebox-like thing stuck on their head, walking around, showing what great and proud uh, owners of the word of God they are. It's not what we're looking for. We don't want to be, we want to go in that direction either. But we've got to carry that word. Frontlets between your eyes. Why? Because everywhere you go, the word of God is leading you. The word of God sticking out of a box in front of your head gets into the room before you do. You understand what I'm saying? It goes before you. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware, the life of promise. Remember, the land, the life of promise, the bountiful life he gives us, which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee in goodly cities which thou buildest not. Look at these promises. You didn't build this stuff, but he's going to give it to you. And the houses full of all good things which thou fillest not. And the wells digged, which thou diggest not. Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full. Now look at verse 12. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. Okay, dads, come on now. Get on the horse with me on this. We are full of bounty. We have wonderful families. Like I said, I look across this room and I see sons and daughters of great families. What a blessing you guys have. What a, what a blessing I have. Most of my children are here with me today. One's working. What a great blessing. Many of you don't have that opportunity. But we can forget. We can let it go if we're not careful. It's a warning. Beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt in the house of bondage. For you and me, we I've never been to Egypt. Some of you may have. Anybody here been to Egypt? No? For us, it's not about the land of Egypt. That was then. That was the, the precursor. The land of Egypt and the house of bondage are a world of life and sin that we were in before we knew God. We've got to remember, always remember, what God took us out of as he was bringing into this land of promise that we live in. The freedom and the privilege and the honor that we have to be able to walk through those doors. Does it ever strike you once in a while, dads? When we walk into the house of God, and there's an amazing worship team up here and the spirit of God is just flowing and powerful. What amazing, amazing blessing that we have. He brought us forth out of the land of Egypt and the sin and bondage so that we can have this and enjoy that amazing presence he gives us. Verse 13, thou shalt fear the Lord, respect again thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name, ye that not, excuse me, ye that not go after other gods, 
You shall not go after, pardon me, I'm stumbling. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. Well, how do we do that? Well, all my buddies at work like to go out and shoot darts at the league or, oh, we all go play softball so I can't be at church on Wednesday or we're involved in this particular activity. The gods that other people have placed up before God. He's warning us. Don't set things up above before me. It doesn't mean we can't be involved in some activities and some things of fellowship. That's not what he's saying. But what's happening routinely in our society, there's a whole lot more gods that have been lifted up and placed above him. Dads, we gotta be careful. When your eyes open up in the morning, you gotta be submitting to God, the God, our God. First thing, God be with me today. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for keeping my family safe. Thank you for covering them. God, thank you for the just bounty and blessings that you just pour out and pour out and pour out on my family. Thank you, Lord. Lead me today. I submit to your word today, Lord. I submit to your spirit today, God. I submit to your direction, Lord, to your will in my life, God. Before you ever get out of bed, before you ever walk out of the bedroom, some of that stuff, if not all of it, should be on your lips. Because I can tell you, your pastor, every single day, doesn't step one step outside the threshold of my bedroom before I've said those things to the God Almighty. Because, not because I'm great, not because I'm something special, but because great men of God who took me under their wing and taught me, this is what you do to dedicate yourself to God. This is what's going to carry you through life. Gave me those principles. They taught the generations below them. They taught the generations that needed to hear this. And so in honoring them and honoring God, I don't step out of my home unless I've honored the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for everything that he has done for me and submit to his will, submit to his law. And then say, God, let me pass this on to somebody today. Who can I share this with today? Come on, dads, we got to get a part of this, right? We're awesome, but we can do better. We're going to have to. We're going to have to steal our resolve we're going to have to concrete this thing. I'm telling you, it's coming. The waves are going to start to come. And they're going to start bashing up against our homes. Come on, you with me? The, the shoreline isn't all that far away now. It's not in some faraway country. It's out on the West Coast. It's out on the East Coast. Down in Atlanta. The waves are beginning to bash against the homes. The foundations are beginning to shake. There are homes that are falling. When this says, don't, uh, you shall not go after other gods or the gods of people which are round about you, this also includes kneeling to organizations created by man. I kneel to nobody but Jesus Christ. Period. And your children, if they do not already know, they need to know that their dad is going to stand in the storm and will not buckle. Some of them aren't going to come up and say, Dad, if this is thrown in your face, are you going to kneel down? They're not going to ask you that question, but they should already know the answer. Amen? Verse 15, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God. That means test. Don't test him in what he says he's going to do, except that his word is truth and move forward. As ye tempted him in Massa. 
Verse 17, ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee and thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land. That's that blessed life again. Having that awesome blessed life which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord hath spoken. Can I just say that there's a lot of people in this world right now that are not experiencing that blessed life, have not experienced that blessed life. What they've experienced is because of who they are or where they came from or the color of their skin or the religious background are being persecuted, have experienced things that are negative. They've been hurt. Things have been divided. Man's inhumanity to man has caused them to continue to hurt man. But my goodness, if we could have shared this word with those people, that blessed life that's available to them through the word of God and the experience every one of you has experienced what a difference that could be made in this country and in this world I've said it before I I led up to it a couple of weeks ago we've got to look above all this stuff that's going around dad we've got to understand that there are greater things that we can do in this life than criticize and be worried about the political element to this thing We could save people's lives. We could save what's going on in our nation if we took this thing so seriously. If we became warriors of the word, the title of my message this morning, if we became warriors of the word and not warriors uh, angry over what, what we're seeing in there, not letting ourselves be drawn into that stuff of the world, those gods that other people have made gods in their lives. We have to be careful. That's not our role. We're passing through. We're sojourners. We can't take so much ownership of things that don't belong to us because God gave us the land. You have the blessed life. Now it's time to teach your children those important commandments, those important statues, and collectively as a body, turn around and begin to give it to the people in this world that need it. Verse 20, and when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, When it says son, now again, we're talking about our families. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? When you're on that trip to the hunting land, why does the Bible say this, Dad? What does this mean in the word? When they ask you, when they come and they ask you, here's your response. When thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. Mom and I didn't know God. Maybe you're from a generation that was already in church. So you talk about granddad and grandmom. Doesn't matter. But when they asked that question, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. We were serving sin. We didn't go to church. We didn't know God. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. He took us out of that life. He saved us. Grandpa was an alcoholic. Mom was, mom was just terribly depressed. Her grandmom was terribly depressed all the time. It was a terrible place. They fought with one another. They ended up in divorce. They died young. Uh, uh, my mom and dad, they struggled. They had these issues, issues, and somebody brought the word of God to us. They, they shared a testimony with us. That's how we got here, son. That's how we got here, daughter. That's what it's saying. Testify to your own family of God's greatness. This is a faith builder and a strengthener for your children and your children's children. Verse 22 and 23 talk about the escape from bondage. I'm gonna skip that for the sake of time. Skip down to verse 24. It says, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. 
and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all the commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Now that scripture, I didn't count them, but the word all was in that Deuteronomy chapter six passage several times. All the statutes, all the principles, all of what God had brought in that word is our responsibility to deliver to our children. Children, those of you that are growing up, some of you are of 18, some of you are older, don't be that generation that takes one step back. Oh, mom and dad, they're, they're pretty strong on this stuff. They're super devoted. They're super religious. Don't take that step back. Dads, do what you can to keep them from taking that step back. It says all the words, all the principles, all that he delivered. Why? To save us out of destruction. I mean, th- those words are very clear. They're very plain. They're very, very specific. He might preserve us alive as it is at this day, and it shall be our righteousness. All, all, all. Dads, we gotta be warriors of the word. We gotta be willing to stand up both inside our homes and outside our homes, ready to fight the fight. Son, daughter, don't tell me that doesn't apply to today. Don't tell me that principle's not right. Don't tell me that word of God is hate speech. Don't tell me that causes people to hate people of certain persuasions, etc. It's a lie. It's what the culture of the world is beginning to try to get into our children, that things in the scripture are designed to hurt certain people, that it subjugates certain people. That's a lie. Jesus came to save and, and, and seeking to save that which is lost. God's word is for every soul on planet earth. I don't care what their persuasion is. I don't care what they stand for. Until sin is let go, it's sin. It doesn't matter. The sin that I had before I came to God is absolutely no different than any other sin that's going on in the world right now. No matter what lifestyle they lead, what color they are, what religion they serve, it doesn't matter. This word isn't designed to hurt people, it's trying to save them out of destruction. And you got to get that in your mind and get that in your head. The world's going to tell them, well, that's judgment. You're judging people through that. No, 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 no. I'm not the judge. I'm sorry if this is an inconvenient truth, Dad. I'm sorry if this is an inconvenient truth that God has an expectation. But if you're gonna take part of one part of this or some parts of it, you gotta take part all of it. Come on now. We gotta stand. We gotta be warriors of all the word. And finally, just a few instructions. You guys know very well, I'm just gonna reinforce. Be your child's first teacher, Proverbs 22 and six. Raise them up in the way they should go. There's a promise there. Those of you that have attended our our prodigal project prayer, we're gonna continue to do that. There's a promise that God made and we're gonna keep uh, fulfilling it and we're gonna keep after it, okay? We're supposed to provide for our families, Dad. First Timothy five and eight says, but if anyone provide not for his own and especially for those in his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I don't know anybody in this congregation that would fit that description but I bet you minister to people that might be doing that. There's some broken families out there that aren't providing, aren't taking care of their children. You're the example that they can follow. Good dads discipline their children. Uh Uh-oh, that's not popular in the world today. Proverbs 13 and 24 gives us a whole deal. Careful to discipline them. It's proactive leadership in our home. You know, these people out there, they're tearing down statues of, of George Washington and, and, and great men that did wonderful things for all people in our land, spray painting things, burning stuff up. What do you think they're lacking more than anything? Exactly. 
Compassion is a dad characteristic. According to Psalm 103 and 13, it says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. As you're compassionate towards your children, understanding, what does that mean? Well, they come to you with a problem, they come to you with a challenge. They don't understand this, I'm dealing with a struggle, I got something going on. Don't criticize them, be negative. Well, that's stupid, you know you're supposed to be at church, get to church, that solves all the problems. We've got to express compassion to the children. You know why? You know why this is so critically important? Because if you don't, somebody out in the world with a different philosophy is going to express compassion to them. Oh, you know those hard-nosed Christians you're associated with? Let me tell you what, we, we love everybody. We're all about love, Right? Yeah, they're loving Atlanta into ashes right now. Ephesians 6 and 4 tells us not to provoke our children into anger. It simply ties in with that compassion aspect. We've got to hear them. We've got to embrace them, and we've got to love them regardless. Because we're all in process. We're no more perfect than they are. Moms and dads, we sin, don't we? We fall. We make our mistakes. So how do we stand back and lord over that with them and anger and frustration and, and criticism. Is that going to win them? No. But see, these are the things, the influences of the world, the cultures of the world that come out, the things that we see around us, the fighting and the combat, the splitting of families. It's all around us all the time. And it's trying to influence the church. Finally, in this section, dads pray for their children. First Chronicles 29 and 19 says it this way, and it talks about King David. King David, who had many, many children, Uh, several wives, Uh, uh, the king of all of Israel, honored by God as a man after his own heart, said this as he prayed in 1 Chronicles 29 and 19. He says, and give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and to do all things and to build the palace for which I have made provision. He prayed for his son. But look what he prayed for him, that he would have the right heart, that he would Take on the statutes and the commandments. He didn't pray for him that he'd do well in his education. He didn't pray for him that he'd get lots of money. He didn't pray for him that he he didn't die for protection. He prayed for him to become a warrior of the word because of who he was. You can stand with me this morning as I'm closing. Our musicians can come. I want to share a great promise of hope to fathers that exist even today, even in these final days. As a matter of fact, it is a portion of prophecy. The very last words, the very last words of the Old Testament spoken to the prophet Malachi are directed towards fathers. Sometimes we feel like we send our kids out into the world only to be preyed on by wolves. The wickedness of this world is all around the kids. Temptations are coming at them from every direction. It's, it, it, sometimes it's just, it just seems like everything is working against us with what we've tried to build into our children. Many times I've, I've fretted over what I hear is happening to children and what's coming at them. But I've ever been so impressed with my own children who have faced off with some of these really, really hard things and have made good decisions. Not because I was such a great dad, but because God has so honored his word. I'm so thankful for that. Look at the words of the prophet Malachi in chapter four. Starting at verse one, I'm reading the new translation. It says, the Lord of heaven's armies says, the day of judgment is coming. Dads, do you see it coming? You see what's happening in our world around us, don't you? Burning like a furnace, 
on that day, how many times has pastor said what that day is, right? You remember that day, his day, the final day. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Come on, if they're getting hurt right now, if they're making mistakes, if they're stumbling, Dad, come on, God's got a promise here for you. Keep praying for them. Keep loving them. Be a warrior of the word for your children every day. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees, again, there's that word all, all the decrees and regulations that I give him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn, now listen, verse six, here we go. This is your promise, last scripture in the Old Testament. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And the best part, and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Lord, I pray for our dads today. God, what a tremendous burden is on their lives today to survive and live and thrive, to be successful in their jobs, successful in their marriages, successful as fathers and leaders of their homes, struggling, God, against the attacks of this world, the gods that surround them, the pressures and cultures of this world that press upon them, Lord God. But Lord, today I ask you, God, plant something in their hearts like never before. These great men that serve you so faithfully. God, these men that want to be great for you, that continuously pour into their families, pour into their children's lives. But God, make them strong warriors of your word today, seeking to be strong and powerful, not only just for their souls, but the souls of their children, their wives, their homes, Lord God. Lord, I pray a blessing across this room today for every dad, every soon-to-be dad, every was dad. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.